0: Hey, everyone. This is Brian from the Tennis IQ Podcast. Josh and I hope that you are enjoying the content and discussions that we put out week after week. If you'd like to support the podcast and help us to continue to produce quality episodes, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Tennis IQ Podcast slash membership. Currently, we have three tiers of support. The fan level at $3 per month, the supporter level at $7 per month, and the champion level at $20 per month. Benefits of joining the Tennis IQ podcast community include episode transcripts, participation in book club discussions, and access to monthly master classes with me and Josh. For more on these benefits of support, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com/slash tennis IQ slash membership. Thank you so much. And now, on to the show. <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Josh Berger. And I'm Brian Lomax. And today, Josh and
0: I are going to talk about the Netflix movie, Hustle, starring Adam Sandler. Um, This is a movie I I had seen a little bit while ago and suggested it to Josh as a potential really good topic for this podcast because there there are so many great themes in the movie um, related to getting to the next level related to the coach-athlete relationship, working on your mental and physical game, working on your character. And and it's a good movie. I think, you know, we were just talking about it earlier. You know, you, you mentioned, Josh, how you found it very engaging. Uh, same here. You know, I watched this uh, also with my wife, uh, Susan, who, you know, isn't really into sports at all, but she really liked the movie. She thought it was good. So I thought... Uh, um this would be a good topic for us. I've been suggesting it to a lot of the athletes that I work with. Um and so yeah, there might be some spoilers in here as we as we talk through it, but I think our goal today is to look at some of the themes that were covered in this movie and how we could apply them to our own tennis careers or even some of the things that we're going through in life overall. Um but you know the the general story is Adam Sandler uh is a basketball scout for the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA. And essentially his job is to try to find talent across the globe to to bring to the Sixers and and his job is to travel a lot and go see lots of players and he's looking for more or less these, you know, these diamonds in the rough or these hidden gems out there. Um and eventually he finds one that nobody's heard of and he takes a chance on him and he it brings him to the U.S. And, and I think the really interesting part, Josh, is like when they get to the U.S. and how they begin to work together. And um, I think there are definitely some themes that each one of us has identified as being interesting from that. Um, and I think to me, the most interesting part is just that that coach-athlete relationship and how they work through some of these things together. So um, how about you kind of, maybe give us some comments on that as well as getting into perhaps one of the first themes that you thought was really good.
1: Yeah, I mean and I yeah, it was definitely um quite an engaging movie. I mean, I you know, I would say grew up in certain ways watching many of his movies whether it was Waterboy or Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, so um hadn't seen um, hadn't seen seen one in in years, and uh, this was definitely. I'm I'm glad you recommended it because I think, um, first of all, really enjoyed it, and I think there's there's a lot to talk about here, um, be, both between the um sort of scout, but he became more of a I'd say a, a coach or a mentor to him, um, especially um, and again, you know, spoilers along the way, but um, uh, yeah, the athlete came from Spain to the U S um, essentially to train for um, with, with the original idea to come to the 76ers. And then it turned into that he was going to be training for the NBA draft combine. And then, you know, for the draft and played in the NBA. Um, so I think there's a lot there in terms of that um, coach athlete relationship, certainly. Um, but I think also, yeah, just quite a few themes that, that came up. Um, and I think one of the things that, Adam Sandler's character seemed to to really notice about him, I think, was more on the intangible side. It was sort of on the work ethic and hustle piece, right? the The movie being named Hustle after all. Um, And, you know, he would watch different games of different players, and maybe he'd see certain players that wouldn't hustle back on defense and wouldn't maybe be giving the their best effort. and with with this particular player, he he wasn't as polished. He didn't have. As much formal training or formal um, competitive experience in recent years, but he would hustle for the ball. he would um he just seemed to really give his all and everything that he did. And I think that really transformed into a certain level of work ethic that he really displayed on and off the court. And I think there was a quite an interesting sort of transformation that that took place over the over the the weeks and months um of them working together um but i would say one of probably the first theme for me was was coachability and i think adam sandler's character recognized that that you know this was somebody um you know despite what they'd been through or despite maybe strengths and weaknesses in their game somebody that that was willing and able to to learn and improve and um and i and i think throughout the movie we saw that improvement take place and was sort of that journey or transformation um both from a mental side and from a physical side where they were um you know on the physical side doing different all sorts of different you know basketball related drills things you know where um he was dribbling with with his right and left hand simultaneously he would have to pass through a essentially a moving a giant moving uh, tire where he would, you know, essentially be a moving target. Um, He would be running up a pretty steep hill and be timed and have to break a certain time. So there was the physical side, but then there was also the mental side, which I thought was very interesting too. how they portrayed that. And, um, you know, essentially during practice, Adam Sandler's character would, would try to get in his head and they would do that through different trash talk He would talk about his mom and, you know, try to get in his head that way. Um, And, you know, the first time and I know Brian and I were talking about this before before we started recording. But the first time that that he did that to him, um, he took a shot and just I I think it completely went off the backboard and, you know, didn't even hit the rim. It was it was a brick, you could say. And but over time, he got used to that. He accustomed to it and it made him tougher. So I think, yeah. So I think both from a mental piece and from a physical piece, just seeing that transformation and seeing that growth, um, which I think was made possible through that coachability piece, through the fact that he, you know, maybe possessed some of those intangibles that some of those other players didn't necessarily have. Yeah. And I guess if we look at the coach athlete thing a little bit, more
0: deeply we also see that the coach in this case the mentor adam sandler's character knows what it takes to be an nba player the player doesn't know and therefore has to trust that who he's working with can help him get there and and i think you know as we engage in improving our own tennis games we have to, to feel that way too. And I think we're seeing this at, at the pro level, Josh, like um, you know, regardless of one's opinion of Holger Runa, bringing in Boris Becker is bringing in someone who has been there, not only as a player, but he also has advised Djokovic. Um, Yannick Sinner bringing in Darren Cahill, He's a coach who's worked with others at that, at that level. Right, so like if you're at, at your own club and you want to become a college player or you want to become a four five or a 5-0, zero, you're probably not going to go to the to the coach who works with you know red ball kids. That totally. that coach isn't the one to bring you to that level. You wanna you wanna start to work with someone who who has knowledge of maybe how to play at that level or at least knowledge of how to be a great coach at that level and understands what it takes.
1: Coco Goff and Brad Gilbert as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely, right. So we're seeing a lot of that, and and yeah, you know, we haven't necessarily seen Holger Runa break out yet with Becker, but it's early in the relationship, and and it'll be very interesting to see how how Boers works with him and and on some of the things that 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 Runa clearly needs work on. Um, but I think that's always something that we want to make sure we're doing. Are we working with someone? First of all, that I, I trust and I can get along with. And is this a person also that can really help me understand what it takes to be at the next level? And that was part of the relationship here, right? You mentioned a little bit of the trash talk. You know, the character's backstory, some of that is that he has anger management issues. You know, he had, I think, an assault charge in Spain. And, and that, that temper... Comes out, And so what, you know, Adam Sandler's doing is he's, he's really kind of doing some, you know, desensitization to that to, to do, you know, more uh, exposure therapy, if we look at it from a, a psychology perspective. So the more he sees it, the more he hears it, the better he can deal with that. And at the same time, we're working on emotional regulation. So that wasn't particularly a strength of this player at first. And so that needed some work um and so you have to trust that who who you're working with has the knowledge of what are the physical and mental challenges that you should expect at that next level because oftentimes yeah there's a physical component to the next level of the game but sometimes it's more mental i was thinking you know back in the 90s i was playing some pretty high level tennis you know 50 55 pretty consistently and I remember being asked, oh, you know, what's the difference between a four-five and a five-zero? And, a and it was like, for the most part, the physical game is the same. It's not not tremendously different, but it's really more the mental side, the the discipline in the shot making, the focus, um, those those little little things, the belief, the confidence, um, those little intangibles that were the difference between you know a half level. It wasn't so much that a five-zero crush the ball way more than, than a 4-5, I, mean, I thought the physical games were generally pretty similar. But if you had that mental component, you would almost, as a 5-0, you would never lose to a 4-5, even though their strokes were the same. So I think that, that that's an important part of, uh, of the relationship and, and you know trusting that. And clearly in the movie, you saw that. They developed this. I mean, there were some rocky times, of course, as there are. Um but they, they started to 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 develop that trust.
1: Absolutely. No, and I, I think that the same thing that you talk about, you know, between a four five and a five oh, or you know, I I think that this I've heard the same be said about um top professional players as well. And you know, I, I think some some may agree more than others on this, but I, I've heard that, you know one of the big differences between a top five or top 10 ATP or WTA player with a top hundred player is, you know, is, is yes, are there physical differences? Does, could a, somebody who's ranked, you know, top five compared to somebody who's, you know, 45 in the world, um, maybe a top five player has more weapons. Sure. But um, I think, yeah, the, the mental piece is is often the, the biggest difference maker, and you know the 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 difference maker between those levels. And as we move up levels, we you know, we, we it's easy to sort of see some of the cracks in in our own game. and And I think he saw this where he was sort of building that that mental well, he was building his mental toughness and sort of, you know, building his resilience. But, um, you know, I think as the level rose and as, um, you know, he was in the combine and and sort of facing one of the one of the other top prospects and, and somebody who had been, you know, highly touted um, that that other prospect, you know, really tried to get in his head and really, you know, and, you know, I don't think we need to spoil it too much here or maybe go into too much detail, but would, you know, would would just essentially say anything that he could possibly think of to get in this player's head. And eventually he cracked and he got. You know, he got, he got really upset and, you know, I think probably many of us have been there in some way or another, you know, not in the same way, but, um, you know, often it's on the court or when it's not, when we're not playing our best or, you know, we, we, I I think, especially in something like tennis, it can, you know, we can, we can certainly get to our, to our breaking points. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think the, the movie did a really good job, um, you know, showing that, showing that, that journey. Um, and um, yeah, I think another, another important theme that they came up, and, and this is actually more of a quote, um, but it was, um, it was from Adam Sandler's character and actually his wife as well. Um, but they were talking about that, you know, it's not about the last shot, it's about the next shot and the next shot and the next shot. And, and I think this came up because both, both Adam Sandler and, the player that he was coaching had both been through a lot, right? You talked about the assault charge in Spain for the the player, and Adam Sandler's character as well had had a um, you know a bad accident, um, like a, a bad car crash. I think it, it sounded like a it maybe a D type yeah. situation, yeah, yeah. A career ending situation where his his hand had been, I think, disfigured in in certain ways, and um, so they'd both been through a lot. And, um, yeah, and I, and I think, you know, that that quote of, you know, it's not about the last shot, it's about the next one and the next one. It's it's not so much about what's already happened and constantly looking back and wishing things were different, which it's very easy to do. And I'm sure everybody has done that. And, you know, it's it, I think that's human nature to do that in, in a certain way. But, you know, can we keep putting it behind us and resetting and refocusing on the next And the next shot right in this situ in this uh, context. But I think in in tennis and tennis probably as much or more than any sport, I think this is relevant because it's, you know, it's a start and stop sport um, like some other sports like maybe football or baseball um, or sports like that where you play a point or, you know, a down in football and then you stop. And then you play the next one. But it's also a sport of instant feedback where it's constantly, you know, you win a point, you lose a point. And yes, that's similar to maybe, you know, badminton or pickleball or table tennis or other racket sports in that way. But, you know, certainly different from a lot of other sports that are more continuous um, and without that sort of instant feedback in that way. And, you know, um, and I think in tennis, it's very easy to be constantly looking backwards. Why is the score the way that it is? I should be beating this person by more. Why did I miss that last shot? But I think it's a nice reminder for all of us that we need to constantly be able to reset, to put it behind us, to learn from the last shot and to learn from whatever's happened up to that point. But ultimately, it's all water under the bridge and we need to be ready for the next and then the next one and the next one. And I know, Brian, you've said this a lot, but the the next point really is the most important point of the match because it's the only one that we have any sort of control over. can't control what, what happened. We can't control what might happen, what could happen with the result of the match, but we do have some control. We can impact at least that next point. So that, you know, really trying to put our focus on, in a basketball context, the next shot or the next situation, but in tennis, you know, can we be as ready as possible for that next point?
0: Yeah, it makes me think about as as we're talking about this I hadn't thought about this before but like a lot of stories it's about the the hero's journey. You know Joseph Campbell talks a lot about that and um this is a, you know a great way to to tell a story. And so, you know, we see the player, he's discovered, he meets, you know, the the mentor, Adam Sandler. Um you know, maybe there's a little bit of 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 uh struggle there. Uh, you know, in terms of like you know, they they definitely had some difficulties coming to the u s getting the getting the player connected with the sixers right that didn't all go well. then there were some trials that they had to go through to get training um and then eventually you, you know you succeed and I think that really is how we go through sport is it's it's a lot about that it's about understanding that That's the process. That's the normal thing, that there's going to be some hard times in in getting through that. And so um, having also somebody who's been along that journey with you is is very, very helpful to get you through it. Because I think one of the things that Adam Sandler's character did for the player was help him connect to purpose more. So the player also had uh, a young daughter and would often talk about how you know, what he's doing is really for her, but hadn't, I don't think really connected that much with that because he was more kind of just, I don't know. I thought maybe pursuing the NBA career became more about her in the end. And I think that that drove him in a different way than just becoming an NBA player. Uh, And this is similar to that episode we did about performance-based identity versus purpose-based identity and, and trying to find a really strong purpose mastery is always a good one but you know for him the stronger one was all right i'm doing this for my daughter and that's going to inspire me there you know and i think that was a part of the the discovery po- process um as they were doing the physical stuff josh what it was making me think about is you know with athletes i work with i wanted them to see that because very often we as humans, we set goals or objectives and let's say in tennis, oh, I want to be a college tennis player, I want to be a pro, I want to be a 4-0, a 4-5 or a 5-0 and then sort of it just dies there and you don't really do anything differently. Now here he had a coach who knew he had to. So you mentioned some of the challenging drills. So the drills required, you know, more speed, more precision, um, and so as you want to rise up to the next level, you have to look at what you do. You can't just keep doing what you're doing and expecting, you know, tremendous growth. You may grow, you may get better. But it made me think about a, a conversation I had with a Division One college coach, maybe last, sometime last summer. And I was asking her, what, what are some things that you're doing differently to, to push your team? Her team had had a really good season. And I'll, I'll just give you one example. So... You know, very often uh, uh, something we do in practice is hit cross-court forehands. So both players will stand in, you know, maybe the due side if they're right-handed and they'll, they'll hit cross-court forehands. So he said, well, you know, we, we slightly changed that. So had the player who was going to feed the ball in the due side corner, and had the other player in the outside corner. So the feed would go cross-court and it would force the other player to have to move to get there and then play that first ball back. And she was like, you know, that's a, a a more realistic way of doing it. And then once that rally's over, they switch. Now the person who was in the ad is now the feeder. The other one goes to the ad side, and then they they change it. Um, and so now now you're working just a little bit more, a little bit more realistic. And all right, how good are we going to be at getting that first fed ball to the corner and get it back to to a reasonable spot? So I think there are always little things that we can be doing in our training to, to take us to the next level. You know, a guy I play with, a super serious, really good, really good national level player. So he changed something in terms of our cross courts. So we'd have one player who's the change of direction player and another player who only hit cross. So the change of direction player would change the direction every third shot. So I might be the one who's just hitting cross. On the third one, he hits it down the line. And now I'm just going cross with the backhands. Then he changes direction down the line. Now I'm going cross with forehands. And so it keeps us moving. And we're trying to be cooperative and really focused and smart. and, And it's pushing us. And we do that for five minutes. And then we switch roles. And then we do it for another five minutes. So it's just like if you can look at your practices and just tweak them. Give yourself more challenges. That's what's going to help get you to the next level, not just repeating necessarily drills you've done over and over again, right? Because it was clear that this player had never done these drills before, but you see the journey. Not so good at it at first. And then, you know, toward the end, you start to see proficiency. Now he's becoming comfortable and confident, and he's doing them. Even the conditioning drills, he starts off quite poorly, But over time, he gets better and better. And one of my favorite lines of the movie was, you know, this is you versus you. It's not versus, you're not comparing yourself to anybody else out there. This is you trying to get the best out of you each day. Can you be a little bit better at something today than you were yesterday, than you were last week? And that's really one of the, I think, truths of competition is it's not so much you against opponents. It's... You versus you. And um, I think that's a really kind of cool thing to connect with, not just in in tennis, but in life, in work, school, whatever it is. Um, and I know, to me, that was an, an impactful part of the movie.
1: Totally. And I think that's, you know, I, I think it's, it, we can definitely apply that to our games, right? I think it's, it's very easy in a sport, in an individual sport like tennis, to assume that, our real competition is our opponent. But, but really in a certain way, the opponent and who we end up playing is, is a bit random, right? Okay. I, I end up playing this, you know, I'm playing in a tournament and okay, this is the person on the other side of the net for me, right? They may have, you know, they maybe are a similar rated player, let's just say, or a higher or lower rated player. They may have certain strengths and weaknesses. They might have a certain playing style. They might, make certain line calls, right? But in a certain way, all of that is a nice challenge and a nice test for you. And it's ultimately about you becoming the best player you can be and you against yourself and ultimately you trying to improve on your level and trying to bring out your best possible level that day. It's it's more about that. And I think the it's more about that rather than just, okay, me against whoever's on the other side of the net for me. Um, And I think the more it can be about that, the more process oriented and process focused we can ultimately be because we're focusing on what does it actually take to be at our best? The mental side, the physical side, the strategic, the off the court piece, the, you know, all all of those different pieces, right? Are we controlling what we can and all those different pieces of the process in order to be the best possible player we can be and You know, is that more the focus rather than the minutia? And, you know, when you're out there on court and when you're trying to win a match and when you're competitive, it doesn't feel like minutia. It feels like the most important thing, that you want to win that match, that you want to beat your opponent, that you want to try to play as well as you can. And and I'm not trying to take anything away from any of that, but I I, I think that theme of it being you against you certainly applies in a tennis context and I think is, you know, should really be the, the what's prioritized rather than, you know, who you happen to be playing with at that moment. Yeah. Because you, let's say that
0: you're, you're not facing challenging opponents and you're just worried about beating them. Okay. You may beat them. You may, and, but maybe you don't beat them by a lot, but let's take another scenario where, all right, you're not playing challenging opponents, but you're constantly challenging yourself on the controllable behaviors. Probably a very similar amount of work, but then you end up destroying those opponents because now the bar isn't the level of the opponent. The bar is how good can I get Yep. by doing all these little things. Um, and so I think that that's a very important perspective for players to take if they want to reach new levels and you know the let's face it the culture doesn't necessarily promote that that well right it becomes a lot about winning and results and beating someone very egocentric but if you can make it more about being better than i was yesterday at something and that's not always going to be your level level doesn't you know improve every single day especially the better you get but could your level at something controllable improve could I just, a little bit more effort, a little bit more intensity, a little can I, can my body language be 1% better? You know, maybe my body language was great 85% of the day yesterday. All right, let's take that to 86%. Uh, controllable behaviors that you improve, again, you versus you, is what's going to lead to that greatness. And, that, and I think that's what we saw in this movie is getting the player to buy into the you versus you because he was making it more about who he was going up against, you know, one-on-one or, or whatever. And, and that only takes you to a certain level. And, and if the idea is to, to be an NBA player like it was in this movie, you have to go beyond that. You have to break that ceiling because I think that's a limiting belief at a certain point and And so he helped him do that and uh, and that's what I thought was cool because in the end, there's this hey, we've both made it, you know, because adam Sandler's coach I'm sorry Adam Sandler's character also had a, a path that he was on. He didn't want to be a scout anymore. he wanted to be a coach. He kind of was for five minutes, and then that was ripped away. and now it's about you know what they both got what they wanted in the end and And so we, both of them had their own hero's journey and they were linked and connected. And, and that was like, what was really powerful, especially in the end of the movie that, okay, now they're on competing teams, but there's a real connection. These guys, they were there for each other. They did something great for each other and they wouldn't be there without each other.
1: Totally. Totally. They've both been through those trials and tribulations, those ups and downs, um, together on that on that same journey and i think actually one other quote i wanted to pull up which i think relates to that but i think is um is is definitely relevant for a lot of the themes that we we talk about um is i think it was relatively early on um the you know the coach adam sandler's character used this um you know used this this um this quote but he was saying more important than making a shot is how you handle missing a shot you know, things are going to go wrong. Um, and it's, it's all about, you know, how you handle it ultimately. So, yeah, which I think is, is, is really important for anybody, anybody in in the sport of tennis, right? Things are going to go wrong. There's going to be ups and downs. We've talked about some of the statistics, how, you know, in Craig, Craig O'Shaughnessy has, um, has done a lot of this work, but he's talked about how, you know, with, with any, and in any given year, the top ATP or WTA player generally wins right around fifty five percent of their points, right? Which which is often surprising for people when they find that out. People would generally imagine that a Novak Djokovic or a Iga Swiatek or Irina Sabalenka or you know fill in the blank would win sixty, 60 or 60, more seventy eighty yeah. whatever percent of points. But if you actually look at it, it's a lot closer to fifty five percent. So what does that mean? That's fifty five percent is not that far off from fifty percent. So you're I mean, it's it's far enough, far off enough, right? I mean, you're it's enough margin of error, we could say, but ultimately, you're losing a lot of points in a match in a year, in a season. So how are you bouncing back? How are you putting points that you lost behind you. Are you learning from them? Are you learning from them? Or are you just continuing to do the same thing over and over again and not adjusting, right? Or are you able to learn from them, but ultimately reset, adjust, and be as ready as possible for the next one? So yeah, really really that. that the focus was put on, not just making shots, which obviously we all wanna do, but how you handle when you miss a shot, right? How you handle that emotionally, how you hopefully learn from it and how you can be better next time. Right. And and also that piece about, you know, things are going to go wrong. Right. So let's plan for things, not necessarily always going right. And let's, um and let's be ready. Let's be ready for those moments as much as possible.
0: Yeah. So overall, I, I think um I highly recommend this movie hustle again uh, in the U S on Netflix. I imagine it's probably on Netflix on international platforms because I think it they produced it. Um, if you're at all an NBA fan, lots of cameos from people that you would know, um, and so that's actually pretty cool that, that they're a part of it. And I think uh, many of them were a part of producing the movie, etc. So um, yeah, again, highly recommend it. And um, if you know you as a listener have any sports movies that you think are really interesting from a you know mental strength perspective. I uh, would love to hear about those. You know, Send us an email at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. And, and then maybe, Josh, we can do another, uh, another episode on some of the other movies that are out there, because I'm sure that there are, are many that we could we could learn from. right? So that's our show for today. Thank you all for listening. For more on today's episode, please check out the show notes. If you have any feedback or questions for the two of us, please email us at tennisiqpodcast.com. At gmail.com. Also, if you are enjoying the content that Josh and I discuss on the show, please rate and review the podcast so other tennis enthusiasts can find it more easily. Additionally, to be notified of new episodes, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube. And you can also check us out on Instagram. If you would like to support the podcast, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Tennis IQ podcast slash membership, where you can learn about the benefits of being part of the Tennis IQ podcast community. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.